With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season nine of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, coming at you from sunny Southern California. It is a gorgeous fall day here and looking forward to going to cover a little junior tennis this weekend. But before I head out, a couple reminders. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to become a premium member of ParentingAces.com. You can do that by going to our website and clicking on the join button on the left side of the page. We have lots of options options for you. And one of the perks of becoming a premium member is you get quarterly consults with me. So uh, take a look at that and we'd love to have you join. Also, if you're not following us on our different social channels, you're missing out. So make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, we're everywhere and posting and sharing lots of content on those various outlets. So hope you'll join us there. But now I want to jump right into this week's episode, which is something a little different for us. We're going to be talking about a recent NCAA ruling that, in my opinion, is so far out in left field that I just was shocked when I read about it. And we are going to be chatting with two players who were impacted by this crazy ruling from the NCAA, Anna Woosley and Brittany Collins, who both played their college tennis at University of Massachusetts and have now graduated. Uh, Brittany is continuing to play on the Pro Tour, and she feels very fortunate that she gets to do that. Anna is working as a coach as she pursues a graduate degree, and they're both living in Boston. Well, Brittany's based in Boston, but traveling everywhere. Anna's living in Boston right now. And I'm going to bring the two of them on so that you guys can say hello. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you for having us. So let's jump right into this whole crazy NCAA mess. You guys recently found out that the NCAA sanctioned your tennis team as part of a a joint sanction with the basketball team over a $252 phone jack. What? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds kind of crazy when you say it out loud, right? Yeah, that's Uh, the the gist of it, um, which is very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, that's that's why we're in trouble here. I mean, so Anna, when you first found out about this, can you tell us, first of all, how you found out and what your initial reaction was? Uh, So Brittany and I are in a group chat with some of our old teammates and Brittany was, I think, the first person to find out. And um, pretty quickly, the messages um, started blowing up and we were both just really um, amazed that something like this could happen. Um, and really disappointed and shocked and all of those emotions. Um, and we've since then just been trying to figure out a way to 
um, really highlight it and publicize it and make everyone know that this could happen and uh, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again in the future. Right. And Brittany, you started a petition pretty quickly. Um, can you talk a little bit about that petition and what you're hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I think Anna said it well there. Um, you know, when I found out after speaking to my best friends and teammates, I immediately got in touch with our AD, Ryan Bamford, um, said, hey, I'm going to write this. I'm going to send it to you. Um, I want to clear it with everybody, you know, that's involved first before kind of going ahead with it. And with, um, you know, matter of minutes, he got back and our coaches and said, we love it. We love the idea. It's so important to use, you know, a student athlete voice. So um, my best friends on the team and I decided it would be really great to get a petition out and see what we could do with it. I don't think we really understood that it would you know, have such support so early from so many people, including yourself. And that's the goal, like really like get it out there so that, you know, people know that it's not, it could have been anyone, not just us, you know, and that the NCAA definitely needs some sort of reform and that we hope that this is a small step towards a uh, bigger picture. Yeah. So I saw the petition at first on Twitter and I think I saw it because I think Brad Gilbert had retweeted it and I think that was my first glimpse of it. Um, but you've had support for this petition from sports figures, from parents, from sports fans, um, from a lot of different people, a lot of different athletes. And, you know, the the bottom line is it's a really ridiculous charge and a really ridiculous punishment that doesn't seem to fit the crime in any way, shape or form. So. I, I don't know which one of you ha is, you know, more versed on this, but can you talk about what the penalties are that the NCAA uh, issued against UMass and specifically against UMass women's tennis? Brett, do you want to take this one? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. Well, well for, I'll start by saying you're totally right. Like the punishment doesn't fit the crime. The most important thing to know here is that the students had no involvement or knowledge of what was going on. Um, to break it down even farther, and then I had, you know, by accidentally received $126 each one time in 2015-16 for this phone jack, you know, put in our bank deposit, lump sum of money, no knowledge it was there. The Let me interrupt you one minute, too. And this was a wall phone jack in the era of cell phones when who has a regular telephone? Like, why, why would anybody even think that you'd yeah. be receiving money for a landline <laughs> yeah. when you're in college, right? It's so crazy. It's meant to be a stipend for on-campus um, students. Anna and I had moved off campus that 2015-16 year. It mm -hmm. was outdated, like you said, that they actually discontinued that stipend the next year. So that was the last year it ever went out to student-athletes in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, the, the punishment was that that $126 each, um, they think it is, you know, justifiable to erase our college careers at UMass from the year before we received this stipend, the year of and the year after, which includes our our A-10 title, which is uh, really hard to, you know, think that that's what they think equates to this situation. And um, the reason why it's such a harsh penalty is they're grouping us in with basketball, as you said, um, which is the same kind of stipend, but just a couple more players. I think there was 12 total student athletes and um, 
it just really none of it makes sense to be honest and there's been so many times in the NCAA history where there's been far far larger offenses without vacating seasons that's something that's really reserved for like the top level kind of offense and it's just unfortunate yeah I mean it's being treated as cheating right you're being punished as if you were cheating which if somebody can explain to me how getting money for a phone jack that you don't use constitutes cheating and helps your tennis game and helps you beat an opponent, I'd love to hear it, right? I mean, this is absurd. I think that's the hardest part for all of us is knowing that, um, A, we didn't know about the money. No one knew about it. You must not even know about it. Um, The fact that it didn't enhance our performance in any way. And even if we had known about it, you know, if we – We've only just found out, but if we had known at the time, we would have given that money straight back. You can't punish someone for something they have no idea about. That seems really um, just crazy and not fair at all. Well, and interestingly, as the parent of a tennis player who received scholarship money in college, I can attest to the fact that you get that scholarship. They don't tell you every little line item that you're being paid for, right? You have no idea Mm -hmm. when you get your scholarship. You just know you're being a lot of this, this money to cover mm-hmm. your costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We have no breakdown for that kind of stuff, or at least mm-hmm. not by, unless we request it. Right. So yeah. there's really no way for us to tell. Right. We just, and, yeah. Sorry. We just receive a lump sum in our bank account and that's it really. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. So what happens next? I mean, you know, it could be argued that, okay, so your record was, you know, erased, big deal. You know, you won, the school knows you won, the people who love you know you won. So what does it matter? Talk about why this is important to you. Yeah, Luz, do you want to go? Sure. Um, Personally, I think that the NCAA talk about protecting their student athletes. And for me, I always did feel like I was representing the NCAA when I competed. Um, And the fact that they then can take away something um, like this for something we had no idea about, they can take away three years of mine and Brittany's career, tennis college career. Um, Basically, to me, that isn't protecting the student athletes. That's really not having their back in any way. And I, I think all of us want to ensure that in the future, the NCAA go can protect their student athletes rather than punishing them for such um, unfair reasons. So I think, Brittany, you probably touched on a similar thing, right? Yeah, I mean, this is like kind of a clear example of abuse of power, you know, Mm -hmm. how little something can be punished for, you know, what what we didn't do. And Anna's right, like, they're really supposed to protect us. Like you said, Lisa, they're sending out the message that we did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And that really affects like, you know, for them, recruiting wise, you know, I'm not from an international, you know, but Anna is, and it sends a message like, why would we want to send our kids? Why would an international student want to come over, you know, which is a huge mm-hmm. change for them? And mm-hmm. then feel like, oh, well, we just put in all this work for you. And then you're going to kind of like, I don't know, go behind our backs and make us feel worthless and erase all the work we did. Like, so we do know it, but it's, um, it's just a shame. And we, you know, we hope that we can go 
far with this. And um, I've been fortunate to get in contact with um, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. And they heard our story. They think it's important to share this story. And hopefully we're going to be working together in the near future for reform because this is a this is a big issue, even though it's a small story that you might not hear about otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, typically, you know, we know tennis is not the big big man on campus in terms of varsity sports. You know, mm-hmm. the rosters are, you know, on the smaller side and, and tennis just doesn't seem to um, excite people overall in the, in the sports world and college sports, you know, the, the support tends to go to football and basketball and whatever. But my message, my takeaway from all of this is here you are, you're, you're two student athletes who gave their heart and soul to not only train and compete for your college, but you spent your entire childhoods preparing to give your heart and soul to your college. Your college supported you. Your college did nothing wrong. And in fact, UMass self-reported yeah. the, the mm-hmm. error, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. if UMass brought this to the NCAA's attention and offered to fix it, you know, repay it. Not only are they, the NCAA now, you know, getting rid of your records, but now UMass is being fined $5,000 and yeah. on now the school's on probation for two years. I mean, it's, it, the whole thing is just, it, it's craziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it actually, it's, it's even worse than that. I'll add in a few things for you. Um, they've actually spent, a hundred thousand dollars in defending themselves. So it's a lot more than five. Already. Yep. And it's still going. Um, and the worst, I guess another point that's pretty bad is that the NCAA and UMass actually came to an agreement. So there's supposed to be this thing for self-reporting, you know, and giving incentive for schools to come forward. They'll never do that again because there was an agreement made that it was just going to be the $5,000 fine. And it was yeah. just going to be probation. And then after an agreement's made, they come back and say, well, actually, we're now we're going to vacate all your seasons. So that was another big thing that I think really shocked um, Ryan and our athletic community is that, you know, whoever is going to self-report ever again, because, you know, you can't say yes, one thing, and then have a committee on infractions come back and say, well, no, 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 no never mind. This yeah. is not how we're going to do it. Right. Anna, go ahead. Did you have something? No, I was just going to say the same thing. It seems crazy that an infraction committee for the NCAA can come overrule something that the NCAA has already agreed to. And um, that's just, I I don't think that's going to help other colleges and universities come forward if they make any um, mistakes by accident in the future. And it's just making it harder to protect student athletes in the long run. Right. And I think this has been an issue for a long time where student athletes, who is your guardian, you know, while you're in college, your most student athletes are away from home. Uh, The parents aren't there to help, you know, on a day-to-day basis. A lot of times the coaches answer to the athletic directors, the athletic directors answer to the administrators of the university. Um, The ITA, which has come out in support of, the UMass student athletes here, which yay for that. And I know y'all are very grateful for that, Mm -hmm. but the ITA is coaches organization. It's not there to protect the student athletes. And so there is this sense of if something goes wrong for a student athlete, who do I turn to? 
And I think y'all are experiencing that a bit now. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to do some research because I'm like, right, who does the NCAA answer to? When, when they do something wrong, who penalizes them? That's where um, I've been really grateful to, you know, kind of speak with um, Peter Mills, who's the legislative um, aide to Chris Murphy, Senator Chris Murphy. Because that's really the only people that can change the NCAA and hold them accountable and give power to student athletes, which we desperately need. But I did find it somewhat um, interesting, and I'm going to have some meetings with some members. There is the Student Athletic Advisory Committee, the higher up, not the ones that are just on campus, which I know Anna was a part of. And they're supposed to be the student athlete's voice. They're the ones supposed to be protecting student athletes. So the NCAA says, if you go on their website, they're the ones supposed to be like providing help for legislation, all these things, which in turn seems to me like how? Because the NCAA employs them. So they answer to the NCAA, just like you said. And I'm just like, so is that like a, like a cover up almost like, and there's like some great people in there and I'm, I've been really excited to talk to them, but I, that's what I'm asking. How much power do you really have? Like at the end of the day, what can you do for us? Like, how can you defend us? It's until the student athletes get more power, it's not, it's not possible. Anna, talk about what you did in your role on that committee. Um, So I was a student advisory, student athlete, what is it for student athletic advisory committee? That's right. Um, so, sorry. So basically I, I represented the UMass tennis team um, with one other teammate um, that basically voice any problems that the tennis team have. And with all the other representatives from the other teams, we come together. Um, I think it was once a month. Uh, we would have maybe three or four hours in the evening where we would put our heads together and try and find ways together to help the UMass athletic athletics population and we would do we would um, plan things together we'd plan the end of the year banquet and we'd um, plan some fundraisers and ways to be more involved with the community Um, so that's what SAT course basically. And the committee is made up of members from all of the athletic teams right they're representatives from men's and women's all sports um, Mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And who did y'all report to? Did you have a faculty advisor? Was the AD at the meetings? How did that work? Yeah, uh, the AD would come to as many meetings as he could. Um, If not, he would always have a representative there taking minutes so that he could always be informed on what was happening with us. Um, But we'd always have um, Pete, uh, do you know his last name, Brittany? I think I just spoke to him the other day. <laughs> um, this great guy called Pete, who I'm not sure I'm not sure of his official role, but he was in charge of something to do with UMass Athletics, and he oversaw SAC, and that was one of his main roles. So he would um, help us with every, anything he needed, and he we would also have several other members of staff at all the meetings. So um, we had a lot of help at those meetings for sure. Anna, do you recall if there was ever, during the time you were on the committee, a time where a student athlete had an issue that they needed help with, where your committee kind of stepped in and helped guide that student athlete? Um, Not that I can remember off the top of my head, but I do think it was a great way for the employees, the staff of UMass Athletics to become aware of anything that the student athletes may be feeling. Or, um, for example, when UMass Tennis, uh, we 
we're getting a new locker room. Um, we could then, any concerns we had about our new space, we could, or if we needed anything, it was a way for us to voice that without having to go through our head coach. We could go directly to RAD's assistant who would maybe try and like help us with some of those issues. Um, so that's an, uh, an example I can think of, but it's also to help support student athletes if um, anyone has an instant or needs any um, advice. I think it's a great way to connect with other teams that you may not necessarily um, see on the day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, it's likely that someone, another student athlete is going through the same concern right. that you might be. Right. And I think it's nice to, to help bring all of the student athletes together mm -hmm so that it becomes a bigger community. It's not just the tennis team and the basketball team, yeah, and the team right? You're all mm -hmm. there supporting one another and hopefully mm -hmm. going to each other's games and yeah. matches, and, mm -hmm. right? So I think yeah. the notion of having that committee mm -hmm. is a good one, mm -hmm. but there's still, like you said, there's like this question mark. Okay, what if we really have a problem yeah. with something happening you know, relating to an NCAA regulation, but the NCAA is overseeing this committee. Mm -hmm. So how impartial is, is it really, you know, and how do we get anything through and accomplished? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the, the questions I've had, because so like Anna was on our campus, our campus SAC, right? And then they have this like higher up governing SAC, um, which has one representative from each conference. And I am going to be speaking with one of them. But I think one of, when I spoke to them, one of the things that I can't wrap my head around, right, is that he had said that one from that higher up student athlete um, advisory committee, they're all um, retired, like retired athletes from that point. They have their jobs. It's just to continue the uh, relationship with the NCAA and with students and stuff. And so one of my questions is that he had said that one, interestingly, one SAC member was on the Committee on Infractions which dealt with our case and one was on the appeals process because obviously our um, athletic director and UMass is appealing the decision as they don't agree with it. And it just makes me ask the question um, for the, you know, one that's on the committee on infractions, like you should know how it feels, right? Like what, what, and maybe, you know, it was a decision, you know, four to three or whatever, like, but like, I wonder just like at the end of the day, if it was their kids that were dealing with it, would they be saying take mm -hmm. away the title and put it Like, I just can't wrap my mind around it. Cause like I said, mm -hmm. we haven't met a lot of opposition. So those are the kind of answers I hope to find out because maybe there is, I, I can't imagine, but maybe there's a missing piece to this that we're not seeing. I, I mm -hmm. can't imagine it, but. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, again, you know, the punishment does not fit the crime here. And have you heard anything from the NCAA to justify their decision to vacate your results in your championship. I mean, I, I read all the documents and, you know, it's a bunch of legalese, a lot of it, but I, when I'm looking at it, I don't see anything in there that makes me understand how they're justifying this punishment for this crime. Mm -hmm. No, definitely crime. not. Yeah. <laughs> I always say crime. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, definitely not. Um, they're, so their reasoning for this, right, is that Anna and I were ineligible. And um, 
which doesn't make sense because again, I said they're taking the season away from us the year before. So we weren't ineligible then we were eligible then, but somehow that makes sense. Right. So, but they're saying you should have pulled your student athletes out when you found out. Well, UMass came back and said, we found out after they were done playing. Right. After you graduated. Right. So then they say like, well, it's not about the amount of money. Well, okay. And it's about, it's about a number of factors, the people involved, the length of time. Well, we should, Anna and I and our team should be completely separated from basketball. Like I, I understand that it was at the same time period, but why group two different, completely different sports, mm-hmm. like number of people, number of like the amount of money. So um, there was a press conference. I think uh, the day that I found out, I didn't, I just listened to it. And I think it explained a lot in the fact that it explained nothing. All the reporters were asking questions and there was no answer. It was the, um, the you know, the guy who was the spokesperson for the committee. Um, I don't know his last name, but his, his first name is David. And it was, I don't understand your question, but the rules are rules. No answers. The rules are rules. And there was questions like, well, why do the rules apply here, but not there? And rules are rules. And it's just like, even they know it. I think that, you know, yeah. there's, there's been a big mess up here. Yeah, just it sounds like a lot of non-answers to some really good questions that need answers. Yeah. And Britt, didn't we find out that um, most of the people in the infraction committee haven't been student athletes themselves? Yeah. Is that correct? Amazing yeah. point. Yeah. One of our teammates kind of started digging into this research, too. And um, I haven't you know, verified it myself yet, but she had said she had looked and didn't see that they didn't they had not played um, college sports, that they were tied in other ways. And if that is true that makes it like even harder because then they just don't understand. Mm -hmm. So what do y'all do from here? I mean, you've got almost 5,000 signatures on the petition, which is amazing. And for our listeners and viewers, the link to the petition will be in the show notes on parentingaces.com or wherever you're listening to this in the show notes. So make sure to click and sign if you haven't already, but what's the goal? What is the next step? Go ahead, Anna. Um, I I think that mainly to continue raising awareness for our petition so that when something does happen um, with uh, the UMass lawyers and the infraction committee, they can show the support we've had from the whole country, hopefully, and um, the rest of the student athlete population that support support us. Um, So that is for us in the near future. But um, Brittany, do you want to highlight the, the long future goal? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough to say because we don't, you know, I kind of said when we had started this together, we kind of didn't know where we were going with this or where it would end up if people would agree or not. But um, we are making really great connections right now, and hopefully that will lead to some bigger connections. And I think the most important one is, you know, hopefully in the next week I'll be introduced to the senators of Massachusetts as well. And we know it's a crazy time with the election and everything. So we've we've been saying after the election kind of dies down to make sure that our story, you know, doesn't die out. Um, and to, to hopefully bring this to, you know, Congress and not just on sake of like our story, but to use our story to help protect student athletes. But we can't do that unless we keep the petition going and we reach out, you know, as much as we can to people like yourself and outside the tennis community as well, because like we said, this is an NCAA issue. This is not Mm -hmm. just a uh, tennis issue. This is, you know, it touches on so many different areas, you know, amateurism, you know, being paid, like it just, it all wraps under one umbrella, right? Like supporting women's teams. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that 
I guess, 25 years ago for our 2017, like the date of the A-10 championship, we had just won our team back due to a Title IX case. And then it just seems ironic that then here we go again, like strip the yeah. U.S. women's tennis team of their achievements. So like you said, not a big man on campus. Like we can't continue to hurt our women's teams and things like that for things they didn't do. Yeah, you hear that, Billie Jean King, if you're listening, we need you to have your voice behind this. So um, we'll make sure to tag her in, in our yeah. social posts and and mm-hmm. hopefully. I, actually, she, she is aware of our petition. We have had some awesome. contact with her. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed. She'll she'll step up. She is. Um, yeah, she's she's great about getting involved in and making her voice heard. So I think that'd be wonderful. I, you know, I'm just thinking about this from the parent side of things and wondering what kind of conversations the two of you have had with your parents about this and, you know, what, what was their initial reaction and what type of support are you both getting from your families? Go ahead, Rose. Um, So I was actually just thinking about the community that you're reaching and how it must be crazy for them thinking ahead for their children's futures, um, maybe as a college, hopefully as a college tennis player, knowing that they can be doing all this hard work, right? They can be spending thousands of dollars on getting them to all the events and training and everything that involves getting to a division one, two or three level college tennis player. And once you get there, you and after graduating and having a pretty successful career, having three years stripped away for something that they had no control or no idea of. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, if you can imagine like that happening to your child, I, I just please ask that, he, that you sign our petition because it's really been really heartbreaking for all of our parents to know that they sacrificed so much to get us to where we were and and to emotion for me, especially, I mean, I would FaceTime my mom, you know, every day. And it's a big commitment being an international student in America. Um, I, I wasn't able to go home on the weekends. I was going home once a year. Um, and luckily, like Brittany and other teammates were my family away from home. But nice. for my parents, it's been it's been really hard to know that they kind of sacrificed so much already and then they let their child go move to another country um I've been here for eight years now so I'm still here and and one of my biggest achievements as a tennis player well my biggest and my proudest moment in my life has now been taken away so um my mom's been campaigning on social media to get yeah to try and get any of us (laughs) I think our parents are just so proud of what we achieved and and I'm really sad that it could be taken away over something so silly so um, is there an understanding in the UK of the role of the NCAA the power that the NCAA has or is -hmm. that something that only we Americans know about so I think it's becoming more recognized that um, kids, if they aren't quite making it to the professional sport level, but they still had sacrificed a lot and are still at a very good level, it's becoming more popular for them to come to the States on an athletic scholarship um, and use that as an opportunity to get their education. So I think that's definitely become more well-known and hopefully um, parents are, are aware of what the NCAA have what role they have in that. Um, I think it's not, it's not very well known. I would like to, if I ever move back, I would like to advocate for what, what it's like being a student athlete in America. Um, 
but I, I don't think it's it's very well known to be honest unless you're in that world and in the sporting world or know someone that's that's gone to America yeah I mean my experience in talking with international student athletes is that a lot of times they come to the states not ever having visited the campus that they're committing yeah. to play at mm -hmm. they don't really know geographically where the university is they don't know mm -hmm. a whole lot about the, the surrounding city or town mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a leap of faith right yeah. you're you're coming here for the first time yeah. as an incoming freshman or yeah. you know a transfer student so mm -hmm. it's um it's very different than the Americans, although now with COVID and mm -hmm. a lot of campuses shut down to visits, mm -hmm. I suspect the American students will be in somewhat of a similar boat if they're mm -hmm. going somewhere not near home that you know yeah. they're not familiar with. I know that a lot of colleges now are coming up with um, on-campus tours that you you know virtual tours that you can see online. Sure. Definitely not the same as visiting in person. I was lucky enough to visit three colleges when I um, on a recruiting visit, um, and I if I hadn't visited, I would have gone a hundred percent. Would have chosen the wrong school because I was so set on a school, and then after visiting, completely changed my mind to the school I didn't think I would end up, which was UMass. Um, so UMass, when I was there, completely blew me away, and I loved it so much. So. Um, I think the recruiting visits are really important for international students, but unfortunately that doesn't happen as often as it should. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Brittany, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why Anna was so great to answer that question because it is a, a, just a crazy different experience. Like how many times have we heard, I think Anna probably has heard herself, like, oh, I'm going to like UMass and they think they're going to Boston and behold, it's like an hour and a half away. Something mm -hmm. like that happens. But what I think is important for our situation in particular with the parents is like, I'm, I, I'm still grateful for the opportunities. I know that Anna is definitely mm -hmm. still grateful, you know, to have this chance. Cause look, Anna and I are best friends. Now we live in Boston so close to each other, like once in a lifetime experience. Um, but you can, you know, still be grateful for this opportunity and still be upset with the conditions. And to be honest, there's really, you know, no other chance. So like Anna said, it's so important to just educate people like what they're getting into, you know what I mean? And then, mm -hmm. You know, there's not there's not really another option besides going professional, right? But if I, I wouldn't I wouldn't not you know go play college tennis. I would I would recommend it over and over and over again. And what we can do is make change because we we don't want to just like you know veto it, right? We want to make change, and this is sure. the step that we're trying to make to do that. So mm -hmm. I encourage a thousand percent college athletics. You make so many great connections. Um, it's just kind of unfortunate that this is the situation we're in, and. Hopefully we can change that all together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of point out, too, is this experience that you're now going through, right, as sucky as it is. I mean, because mm -hmm. it really, you know, the ruling by the NCAA is terrible. It's, it's so unfounded. That said, you guys are gaining some incredible experience right now in negotiating, in social media usage, in, you know, learning how to reach out to your legislators and have conversations with them in, you know, the kind of the how politics works, not just in terms of college athletics, but just in general. I mean, you're talking to state senators. So 
these lessons, even though the situation and the circumstance is terrible, mm-hmm. I feel like what you're gaining from this, this life experience that you're gaining, which I talk about all the time on Parenting Aids, is that tennis isn't just about hitting the balls, right? It's mm-hmm. it's about these skills and these uh, personality developments and these um, uh, life lessons that we all learn from this sport. The sport is continuing to give that to you, even though you've both graduated from college. Brittany, I know you're still playing and Anna, you're coaching, so you're still involved in the sport but in a very different manner. And yet, you know, look at what you're gaining still from it. So I, I want to really push that message that even though the circumstances are terrible and nobody wishes this for their kids Mm -hmm. or for a school they support, but I have to think that these going through this process of setting up this petition and learning how to fight back and standing up for yourselves and for Mm -hmm. your, your rights as student athletes and Mm -hmm. as young women is going to serve you so well as you continue to move forward in your lives. So there, there is a a silver lining somewhere there. Thank you. I just hope that this raises more awareness for UMass athletics as well. I hope that parents become more aware of how great UMass can be for their kids one day. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize like where it is or UMass is division one and we have some amazing athletic programs. Um, So I hope that, you know, we continue to raise awareness for how great UMass is, but also like everything you said. Um, So thank you so much for uh, having us on today and helping us create more awareness for it. My pleasure. And I hope you guys will keep us posted on what's going on with your case. And, you know, if there are updates that need to happen, um, we can do a quick update uh, anytime y'all are available. But again, the link for the petition will be in the show notes. And um, I'll also include links to some of the articles that have come out. Um, Hopefully the ITA will stay in your corner. Maybe USTA will get involved as well and, and back you up. But but I know y'all have a ton of support and I wish you all the best. And hopefully the NCAA is watching all of this and understanding that you guys aren't going to just sit back and take this, that you are standing up for yourselves and for what you and your teammates accomplished in your time at UMass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been tagged in a, in a lot of stuff on social media, not, not just from us, but from our supporters. Uh, so it's been, we've been very fortunate. There is a silver lining for the first mm-hmm. time, I think, in a while, everybody's on the same page, right? So we'll just take that as a win. Perfect. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And I wish you all the best in your thank pursuits you. on and off the tennis court. And uh, yeah, like I said, please keep us posted. And uh, Parenting Aces is here to support you. So thank you. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank Thanks, you. you too. Bye. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. Bye-bye. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.